Hello and welcome to another episode of... I thought I'd use a 12 string today. Yeah. Everyone is a fanatic. Skeletons in the attic. My name is Brent and this is Patrick. Our show is overly dramatic. Our show is overly dramatic. Yeah. Nice start, man. I felt like the 12 string today. I don't know why. I just felt like it. I love how you think I know the difference. (laughs) (laughs) Nice nice, uh, math teacher there. Yeah. (laughs) 12 string. 6 string has... Uh, it still sounds good, man. That's all that matters, right? Could you count them in Spanish? Uh, no. Yeah, I can count to 12 in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes one of us. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So what's up? Pretty crazy week, man. Yeah. My oh. favorite comedian, one of, Jim Gaffigan. Right. He went on a little bit of a rant on Twitter. Yeah, uh, it was Trump-esque or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Right. So the Republican National Convention was going on. Right. And I guess uh, he's one of those entertainers who's just had enough. He's just sick of all the hypocrisy, of all the nonsense the right wing media keeps pumping out. Okay. And he just went off, man. He dropped a few F bombs in there on his Twitter. He doesn't even swear in his act. Usually. No, he's got like the cleanest act since uh, like he's, the 50s. He's yeah. clean, man. Yeah. And he just he's just had enough. He's like a blonde Ray Romano. <laughs> but uh yeah. well, what what what's fed up with the lies, you know? So he's some of his tweets were just just fed up with the lies and just trying to get people to say America, wake up. This is not the truth. You guys need to make sure you're aware of what the truth actually is, you know? And and what is his pipeline to the truth? What's his truth? CNN? Yes. No, just go read, man. Read multiple sources. People don't like to read. Exactly. And we, we have lots of topics that will convince people of that today. Why do you think Twitter's all caps and emojis? Because people don't like reading. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, he's gone mad. That's a shame. Well, I don't know about the... Uh, it keeps going up and down, right? Because they say, well, the riots help Trump, but the COVID helps Biden. How about everybody works together to get rid of both of those things? <laughs> Good point. Good so, point. I don't know. It's 50-50 right now. I honestly don't know. Like, I don't like either of them, but I like one of them a lot less, right? Yep. So I, I honestly do think it's best for the world to just get rid of Trump. Oh, for sure. You know? I think that's what most America's thinking right now, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. No, absolutely. Then Black Panther died. Yeah, that's very heartbreaking. Chadwick. Yeah. Bozeman, right? Yeah. yeah. Very sad. Very sad. That took my high school kids to see this movie, man. After all the hype and stuff. Sure. Right. Because I didn't want to be disappointed. I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait. I waited, waited, waited. And it was Black History Month. We took them. Okay. I don't care much for superhero movies, to be honest. Okay. But what I saw, I was really happy with. On the screen from that movie, yeah, a lot of positive imagery of black folk. Mm -hmm. It was good to see. 
you don't usually see them as kings and doctors and inventors and warriors, climate experts, innovators of technology. Right. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, he, it was. Sorry, go ahead. You go. I just felt like he was more of a, of a symbol for young black kids, that you can be a hero, mm-hmm. keep persevering, you know? So it's a, it's a big loss. No, very much so. It's, uh, I mean, to be honest, it, it, you know, it's never, it never fails. There's always some people on social media and frankly, in the mainstream media that because of everything going on, they tried to make his death uh, like a race thing. Mm-hmm. And like, it just can't, I mean, the guy, he was a very talented actor. It, from all accounts, he was just a hell of a decent guy. Yeah. And brave as hell. Like he filmed Black Panther while fighting cancer. Yeah. He did seven movies. Yeah. So just like yeah. just an awesome guy. Yeah. And you know, obviously people on Twitter, they're trying to tie it into Black Lives Matter. It's like, look, it's heartbreaking, but a really talented, awesome black dude died. Yeah. Like I, I'm sorry, it's not if you know, if you want to be Black Panther for Halloween, I don't care what friggin' color you are, no. be Black Panther for sure. Halloween. And I think that's that was the the strength of his message that yeah. kids of all shapes, sizes, and colors, yeah, all wanted to be Black Panther. Absolutely, that was cool. I wanted to be Black Panther. Hell yeah! Hell I yeah! I didn't feel good about the suit, but you know, like the, the mask could work. I mean, who did? Who in your childhood would you compare this loss to if you were a child? Like who? Who? Who in your childhood? Uh, affecting um, you like this uh well i would say uh probably john lennon okay because i mean i was i think i was like eight or nine when he died mm-hmm. um and i was like decorating the christmas tree at my mom's house and i remember i heard her like cry or yell or something yeah i found out because i was like big into the beatles when i was a kid just like elvis um so yeah that was probably like you know when you're when you're cognizant of cultural things that was probably the first like celebrity death that really hit me elvis when he died i was i think like four or something so it didn't quite you know i knew my mom was upset yeah but when it was when john lennon died especially the circumstances surrounding his death that hit me hard i know that's not the same as like a like a superhero (laughs) but he was a bit of a superhero he was he was to me i wanted to be him for sure for sure i still do actually (laughs) Oh, Yoko's uh, still around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my somebody peeled off my bumper sticker. Uh, yeah, what's going on for you, man? Well, I'm I'm disappointed because I one of the things that I like to do in sort of the off time, which is all the freaking time. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of Frankenstein guitar projects, right? So, um, I built guitars. I like I don't saw the wood and stuff like that, but I get old parts and I assemble them. I, ha- I, I built a base this week, and I wanted to be able to show it to you, but it's in the sun because the varnish is still drying. Oh, cool. So I'll be able to show it to you next week. Oh, for but, sure. Uh, yeah, I had an old, like an old uh, standard precision base body um, with the wiring intact. I, I stripped it. I stained it. I got an aftermarket neck for like 10 bucks on eBay. Um, put all the hardware on, d- did it up. It was, it's a lovely like Sedona cherry color uh spray painted with car car rust paint the yeah. card. so it's like this awesome looking like wood color uh bass guitar and i'm really proud of it and i wanted to show it to you guys today but next week next week um, yeah and i'll play it if, for you if, if we remember 
<laughs> if, if we're still alive. <laughs> the, bass, the bass player gets no love, man. Even though it's probably the most important rock instrument. <laughs> he has no love. You know? Yeah, no, he doesn't. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Like, usually when you start your bands in high school, the bass player usually is the worst guitar player. Right. Right? It's like, okay, so you, you suck, but you're a cool guy, so you play bass. So it's yeah. like... You can do that for an hour, right? Mm -hmm. So, but then you discover actually bass is, you know, it's extremely integral and intricate and it can be pretty hard. So the best guitar player should be the bass player, but you know. Doesn't happen. Do you know bass players? No, I just know their, I, I know the reputation that it's always the lead that gets, gets the girls. Yeah, usually like yeah. the singer, the front man, and then the guitar player with mystique. Right. You know, um, like pa Page and Plant, stuff like that. But as comedians, we both know that the most ugly, dumbass bass player gets more action than the hottest comedian. <laughs> For sure. That's a fact. Yeah. So I'm picking up a bass guitar next week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just oh, got yes. one. You can have it. Cool. Did you, uh, did you hear about Adele? Um, yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's one of those, I don't Well, what's your, what's your take? Well, for, for anybody who doesn't know, she was wearing a Jamaican outfit, like a couple Jamaican flags, kind of like a bikini top for the Notting Hill Carnival. No, because it was canceled for COVID or something, right? Yes. And so they did a, like a virtual carnival. This is kind of like our Toronto's like Carabana festival, right? Yeah. I'll put up the picture for the YouTube viewers if they haven't seen it. Okay. She's wearing great tights, her hair is in some twists, and it has, uh, she's got some yellow feathers on, the back, on her back. So it looks, to me, like a fun costume. Right? right, right. Black people, say this, we're happy. She's out there enjoying herself, you know, supporting the, supporting the carnival. What do the white Karens say? They were furious. This is cultural appropriation, yada, yada. <laughs> I think Adele looks sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. She's walking down the street. She gets a second look for sure. Yeah, you bring up, uh, you bring up an excellent point, And Bill Maher actually mentions this too. You don't have the right to be more offended than the perceived offended party. You know what? You don't have the right to, on behalf of black people, I am livid. Mm -hmm. I will shut you down for yeah. my black friends. Meanwhile, your black friends are saying, can you lighten up? <laughs> like, we, have, we have bigger fish to fry. We have taller hills to die on. Yeah, man. We have serious justice to achieve, and you're wasting everybody's time by bitching on Twitter about Adele's yellow feathers. Yeah. People, people are worried like it's career suicide for Adele. It's not. No. She, she looks great. She's yeah. lost a ton of weight. She feels fit. She wants to show off her sexy body. Do it, man. That's actually, that's, a, that's another whole issue too, that whole, because she also got in trouble a few months ago for posting a picture of her after she lost a lot of weight. Right. So apparently by achieving a goal, becoming healthy and feeling good about yourself, you're fat shaming people. <laughs> no, that's this hopefully inspires other people to say, well, if, if you... If you want to live a healthier life, here's what I did. And so people, people might be inspired. I don't think inspired. she's trying to. Yeah, in the real world. But 
not in the bizarro Twitter world where everyone's mad about something all the time. Yeah. I read this idiot the other day on Facebook. I shouldn't say idiot. But nonetheless, they be, a lot of people, like especially millennials and younger, they think their opinion is somehow the law. You can't. It's like, no, that's your opinion. You don't want. You can't say you. Yeah. So anyway, apparently this person lost a bunch of weight. Yeah. And were complimented that they look great. And they were really offended saying, you can't talk about someone's appearance ever. It's like, that's your opinion. You don't get to make the rules. So it's a sure sign that we live in a very, very coddled, self-indulgent society mm-hmm. when someone complimenting you uh, really hurts your feelings. You know, so where, where have we gotten to as a society when someone says something nice about us or to us and it bothers us? We're a, we're a messed up culture, man. Yeah. And you look great, by the way. You Cheers, lost a ton of weight. You got your beard back, so you don't look got so young. <laughs> you don't look so so people pray. Feeling good, man. Just trying to inspire people as well. I think part of my part of my role in this show, like this podcast, right, is to help you sharpen your editing skills. Uh, <laughs> I think last week that was without the jumping. There was more of me on the floor than in the actual show, I think. And people are dying to know what I'm talking about. Right. It's all as good. anodyne as it might be. But, uh, uh, yeah. Um, if Adele is listening to our podcast, I just want her to know um, there is a better carnival than the Notting Hill Carnival. Uh, she should go to Trinidad. Check out the Trinidad Carnival. This is my country. Cool. Uh, craziest party in the world. Two days. Where you can wear whatever you want. Everybody's walking around the streets half naked, you know, drinking alcohol. A lot of good decisions are being made at that point in time. (laughs) And there's a pre-party that lasts for a month. People are crazy about parties in Trinidad. So Adele, check it out if you ever get a chance. What's the the population of Trinidad? Uh, 1.3 million. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what? That's a big party. Yeah, very, very. They shut the whole island down, man, for that one, two days. It's great. Awesome. All right. So we got a book review this week, man. Okay. You're going to do, uh, this is a play that I like, to, I like to do with my senior classes. Glass Menagerie. Do you produce it? Do you no. Put it on? No, we just kind of, we study it. We, we might do like a couple scenes, but no, we don't do the full production okay. by Tennessee Williams. So this, this was 90, 1944 was the first showing. Uh, there's four characters for those of you who haven't seen the play. There's a mother, her son, her daughter, and the hookup. So the guy, the, the son tries to hook up the daughter with. Is that, what it's it, called, is that what it's called in the libretto? The no, hookup? it's called the gentleman caller. Ah. <laughs> so oh, the, Tom? The, the summary of it is that the worried mom wants her daughter to have love. So nowadays it would just be like, okay, just go log on to a website, right? Like you can find a date. But, yeah. um, so she tries to get her brother who works at a factory to get her a date. The daughter is very shy. She's lacking confidence. And she had an illness in her childhood that left her with one leg shorter. So she has this like inferiority complex about this shorter leg. If it's real or not, it sort of is revealed in the play. And then the hookup, the gentleman caller, comes later and he meets with Laura, uh, the daughter. And, and it turns out they all went to high school together. And she had a crush on him since then. 
This is near the end of the play. He's very kind to her and he boosts her confidence. He gives her a kiss. And then he tells her he's already in a steady relationship. Uh, it's all revealed later, and the mom blames her son for not knowing about this gentleman caller's relationship. The son's like, well, I just work with the guy. I don't know, like, everything about his life. And then he's like, I'm off to the movies. Right. He always goes to the movies. This is, like, his place. Mom thinks he's on drugs or whatever. All the while, as he's leaving, there's a picture of the father hanging in the room, smiling. (laughs) Did you do this play? Yeah. Yeah? I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty well acquainted with it. I don't okay. know it off by heart, but yeah, no, it's I mean it's uh, it was Tennessee Williams, the thing that made him a star. It was his first right. real, and then he went on to become probably the most legendary American playwright. Um, definitely, definitely yeah. one of the one of the 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 titans of the 20th century. Top three for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so I mean, he obviously people know his other stuff like Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and A Streetcar Named Desire. Yes. Um, but Glass Menagerie was his first foray. It's tough with him because everything is subtext. Okay. You know, it's, which is interesting actually, because so much of the performances tend to be Southern bells over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but their over the topness actually belies a lot of the really, the hidden meaning in a lot of what he's talking about and the right. symbolism. Like you'd mentioned the father's picture. I mean, that's a pretty clear symbolic, but what animal got broken, right? It's a fantasy animal. Uh, the, unicorn. the unicorn. Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's it's a very very subtle, very nuanced play. Um, I just want like what is what makes it stand the test of time? Like why is it still so good now? Like I'll give you a couple quotes. Okay. So this is more around the physical defect. Mm-hmm. Though when when the gentleman caller says a little physical defect is what you have, hardly even noticeable magnified thousands of times by imagination right yeah what what makes it stand the test of time right well i mean obviously the well what's your what's your take on that well i feel like every every generation has some societal issue Mm -hmm. that it's battling with so whether it's racism or um you know gender stereotypes or physical defects so at that time he was helping people get over the hump of well people with physical defects are actually just normal people and now we have all sorts of gender identities and sexual identities that we have to get over that hump as well so I feel like people relate with characters who feel that this might be something holding them back. And then they're like, well, I'm actually just a normal person. I'm a normal person. And it's all in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very much. So. I was going to say something akin to that. But also, I mean, Tennessee Williams was also very famously, you know, he had one, one foot in the closet. Yes, or one one toe in the closet. So, <laughs> so a lot of a lot of his stuff, a lot of his leading ladies like Blanche Dubois and Laura, um, were sort of um, allegory of his struggles, of his um, of his. I mean, obviously, it was a much different time back yeah. in the thirties and forties. So, like coming out as gay was impossible. 
Um, even in even in the heightest of salon society, like you know New Orleans or Paris, or you still didn't do it. Right. People knew. Oh, this is my special friend. Oh, he's kind of funny. But <laughs> it wasn't. There was no. There was no gay culture that was anywhere near. You saw the light of day. Right. So a lot of what he was saying was about that too. That's just. It's just a little. Def it's you know defect is not the word I'm using. It's their word. Mm -hmm. But like you know a little defect. It's just something that I'm still a good person. I still have value to offer. Um, so I have to get over this, but you know, in that case, society has to get over it as well. Well uh, said, well said. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's good. It's uh, no, that's a, that's an excellent play. It's one of the classics. The first time I ever saw that was on PBS. It was a teleplay and it was Karen Allen who played Laura. Okay. And uh, she's, she's the, uh, the lead in like the Raiders of the Lost Ark movies and stuff like that. Yeah. I really like her a lot. She played, uh, she played Laura. Cool. Yeah. He he did not go very well with celebrity. As many don't, you know. Once the play kind of blew up, it actually caused him to get depressed. Yep. He didn't even like taking compliments from strangers. Right. So always like you always question like, do you want to live this life that you're happy, or do you want to achieve that level of success, but you know, falter into depression? Yeah, it's a tough call. Well, because that, that speaks to the idea that whatever you achieve doesn't fill what's, what's needed. Like the hole inside you is not going to be achieved by money or fame. Mm -hmm. You think it is. You think once I reach the top, then I'll be happy. But that's seldom the case because there's something missing in, in yourself. There's some sort of something has been abandoned in you that you need to get back. Right. So, I mean, look at the drug problems. Look at the suicides. Look at the reckless behavior of... Uh, of, of celebrities, rock stars, and actors and things. Epstein. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wouldn't say he had any value. Or <laughs> any, <laughs> you know. He was just so rich. Should have been happy. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. We're on our first Canadian topic, man. Is that me? This is you. Okay. So. You know, you and I are so prescient. Um, we, I think we discussed this a while ago, or I put it in a song or, or something or other. Um, in Montreal, where is it? Yeah, okay, so a, a statue of John A. McDonald. And for those of, our, those of our listener who don't know, he was one of our founding fathers. He was the first prime minister of Canada. Um, the statue of him was uh, torn down, stomped on, graffitied in Montreal last week, and the, the cops did nothing about it, even though they were there, they were, they were present. So, you know, all the, the police brutality is just it's a tidal wave in Canada, cops standing there watching people rip a statue down. So why did they do this? They say it's to protest on behalf of Indigenous Canadians, but is it really? That's an open-ended question. Mm -hmm. we, know, we know that Quebec has a very different history with John A. Macdonald. They have a massively different history with the rest of Canada, but a big difference with John A. Macdonald, which goes back uh, to Confederation, which has a lot to do with the Catholic and Protestant founding of our country, which has a lot to do with the Louis Riel situation. John A. Macdonald once famously said, um, Louis Riel will hang, though every dog in Quebec howl his name. And it was then until like the 80s, so 130 years um, until Quebec ever voted Tory again. Uh, so they had a serious issue. Quebec hated John A. Macdonald. So 
uh, anyway, my, I guess my question, I don't really, are the, the young, the young white protesters being overly dramatic? Good old Scottish boy, John A. McDonald. Yep. I, was, I had to do a little bit of research. Okay. By the way, Scotland removed his name from their website, from their like national website. They don't want to have any affiliation with him after the concerns raised by indigenous communities about his legacy. So I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, well, uh, Scotland's on this, uh, they're on this crazy woke kick right now. <laughs> Maybe. They're going to erase William Wallace, you know, they're going to erase Scrooge McDuck. Mm-hmm. They will get rid of everybody. They hate them all. Rob Roy, out the door. Anybody who's got any controversy, you're gone. Well, he had the second longest term as prime minister, right? Yeah, next to Mackenzie King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I kind of felt like, as I was reading through his profile, felt like the story of Alexander Hamilton. Okay. Because he also advised in battles, and he was so integral in the part of creating this nation but instead of like marital scandals his only knock and there's two was alcoholism and anti-indigenous policies there's a few more of course like some bribes and scandals and what i have in this cup is none of your damn business exactly but doesn't confederation top it all wow thank you like we we made this like huge progress to make this country it would have been just what like ontario manitoba saskatchewan that's it so he put us he really he did a lot to bring people together i would say figuratively and literally because it was his um he the the railroad wouldn't exist all right yes so you could have gotten from one part of canada to the other next have you ever taken that railroad by the way I have. It sucks ass. No, no way you did. The views are amazing, but it's a long trip. <laughs> and if you don't, and if you don't, if you if you can't afford to be caking for the uh, the train, the bed yeah. car, then yeah, it's a little tough. Yeah, Brent just made a money symbol there, so I was just about to <laughs> say, like, if you want to go across Canada, you're you're looking at like five, six thousand dollars. Yeah, if you want to do it comfortably. If you want to do it comfortably. I didn't do it. Co- I went and coach, baby. <laughs> Keep standing up. You were in one of those puppy bags. <laughs> I, <laughs> I used to. I used to sleep on the cross tie between the train cars. Oh yeah. Just so I could stretch out. To this day, I don't want to digress too much, but to this day, if I'm feeling uncomfortable and I can't sleep, I imagine myself on that damn via train, sleeping, sitting up all cramped, so that I can stretch out in my home and feel okay. I can rest now. It stayed with me that long. That, just that cramped sitting up for five yep, days. Absolutely. Yeah. Every entertainer goes through that. If you've, if you've traveled a lot, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful ride, though. I mean, it's just, a, it's, it's astounding. Just yeah. Astounding. So that's part of his legacy. Yep. Well, like, I think people forget maybe, maybe our country, like America, was built with this system where a certain type of people would have an advantage, both financially and psychologically, right? And that's, that's what the anti-racism work is about. 
Now, does it start with tearing down the statues? I don't know, perhaps. Or you could write to your parliament, write petitions to have statues removed like they did in BC. They removed one of his statues. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, the real work is not on pulling down the statues. It's in changing the laws that are not equitable. We have a long way to go with making some repairing our ties with the indigenous community, I think, mm -hmm. especially our complicitness in the genocide of indigenous women, things of that nature. Well, yeah, that's some pretty heavy stuff. And I know that your next topic goes into this as well. Yes. Um, so no, it's, I mean, it, this is really tricky because it's, it's really not black and white. And I respectfully disagree with you as far as what the job of anti-racism is, because that's one of those very pliable definitions. So there is an entire faction of anti-racists that are not about that. They're about a whole other different agenda. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what, that's what we all keep getting caught up with the, the, the shiny stuff as opposed to the substantive things. Frankly, there is not a single law on the books that is not equitable, but we have to put the laws into practice. I think that's the, that's the main thing. You know, it's like saying, well, drunk driving is illegal. Yeah, it's against the law, but people still do it. So we need to teach people to not do it mm -hmm. as opposed to saying, well, we have to have this law because we have all the laws. There's not, there's no, so, so that in, in one sense, then what the, what the anti-racist movement is asking for, and I don't like using this word, I've used it before, it's applicable to a degree, but it, in many ways, it's about comeuppance. It's about revenge. Mm. Um, and that honestly, that's going to balkanize the West. Like if you've got, if you've got this group who is under and there's for generations, they're preparing to get over. Then you got this group who's now under and they're going to prepare and their resentment's going to build and they're going to get over. And then we're going to be the friggin' Balkans. Right? So this whole idea of, of equity, I prefer equality because equity is basically rigging the system in the other way and who's who's that first of all who's going to vote you in when you're going to call 60 percent of the population terrible people um <laughs> you're going to get their votes and secondly like so is that helpful do two yeah. wrongs make a right that's okay. that's one of the issues like equity you know what equity is it's forcing it's forcing people of so-called marginalized communities to be put into positions of power and privilege it's forcing it. So I'm not a big on a meritocracy. I don't want to ramble too much. Yeah. But equity itself is a plan that hurts people. I much prefer equality. Okay. So you're entitled to that. But I feel like if you say equality, you, know, you say, okay, everybody's gonna get everybody's gonna get fifty bucks. Okay, you have two thousand bucks as a white man, you have I don't, have two, that's I don't negative. have two thousand bucks as a white man. Well, some other people do. Yeah, some other people do. And Everybody some gets fifty. I don't have two thousand bucks as a white man, Patrick. Okay, well, the gap is still there, is what I'm saying. With equity, okay. it sort of balances it. So then, why does every white person get accused of having two thousand bucks? Not every. No. You know. Not every. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Not every. You have a right as somebody who's not in a state of wealth or. Don't feel like the system's really benefiting you right. to say that. You have a right to say that. 
I do, but nobody yeah. listens because they just say, well, you've got white privilege, <laughs> which I, I wish I did. If I had white privilege, I'd be using it. I'd be, right. I'd be exploiting that privilege, man. Right. right, right. I, I've never, I've never seen hiding or hair of it. No. I know what you mean. Look, obviously yeah. I'm not an idiot. I know yeah. what you mean. And I do understand. I do understand that there have been in the past inequalities that, you know, obviously people that are at the entry level in the country struggling to make their way up right. have not had the breaks. And obviously as immigration cycles go, it tends to be people of color who are new Canadians. But my, my resentment it lies with the fact that I've busted my ass all my life. I've never hurt anybody. So it's like, so indigenous people, good. Immigrants, good. All the people born here who didn't do anything to anybody, just trying to pay their bills and feed their kids, they're bad. <laughs> so uh, you're, you're going to be editing like crazy. So you're a bad man, John. <laughs> I, yeah, I am. I'm a bad man. I'm a bad man because I was born here and I try to pay oh, my bills. Oh, shit. Evil. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like th there won't be a need to edit because you're, you're speaking your truth. Okay. So, okay. um, there's, there's a lot to talk about in that. Uh, I wanted to go into the whole $10 bill thing. What are we going to do? Throw away money. But I mean, that's, it's yeah, we're past the time now for this topic. So he was taking out the $10 bill. Yeah. Now Viola Desmond is, uh, yeah. yeah 2018 that happened. But they were they were saying he might go on a fifty or a hundred later on. So maybe that won't happen. So let's just okay, so let's just deny all of our history, pretend it was all bad. You know, the British librarian is trying to take out every book written by a white person. Um, <laughs> you know, let's just let's just say it's all bad, it's all disgraceful, it's all disgusting, and we'll do this, la 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 la, and we'll deny any any achievements we've ever made and we'll just go forward from here, because that's much better. Yeah, that's extreme. That's extreme. Well, yeah. Social media is extreme. So. All right, your topic. Um, is this more, more thematic? Oh, this one, yeah. Um, I was watching, you ever watch uh, Rising? It's, uh, the, the news outlet is called The Hill. Oh, no, okay, no. It's, it's a morning show called Rising. It's actually pretty good because they've got a genuine good faith argument because they've got a liberal woman and a conservative guy who... Uh, co-host their morning show. Mm -hmm. So they basically call out BS on both sides. <laughs> it's quite cool. refreshing, you know. They yep. they each get a little bit jingoistic, but nonetheless, they do argue in good faith and they try to find answers. So they were talking about um, somebody, some some pundit or some journalist was basically suggesting that, um, I'll, I'll just read the thing I wrote. There are a growing number of pundits and journalists who feel that the giant social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, should be made to accept responsibility for the polarized state of Western society, particularly for the growing violent tribalism, tribalablabism in the <laughs> USA. Um, claims state that radicalization has been made significantly easier with online media and that we're getting to a point of no return, civil war is possible. Now, frankly, some people think that civil war is already going on and it has been going on online since 2016 and it's now only spilling onto the streets. And I think that's a solid argument. Um, so are those who feel that Facebook and Twitter and YouTube should, should bear responsibility for the unhinged lunacy 
that they've enabled, um, or are the, the critics being overly dramatic. Remember a couple of weeks ago, you had a little suggestion for everybody in the final comments, just like, believe everything you read, people. <laughs> in your most sarcastic voice, just believe it. Just take in everything and just believe the first thing you read on social media. And people actually do. That's the problem, right? Like I don't, I don't have a sarcastic voice. I love doing this show. <laughs> it's like you said, man, like nobody reads three, four, five articles to actually kind of look at all angles of an argument and then come up with an opinion of your own. Yep. Nobody does that. Yep. You read it once, you see a video once, and all of a sudden that's the gospel for you. Yep. You know? And you look who posted it, say, like, oh, they're a good guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah my cousin, he's, he's awesome. He's a good guy. Yeah. For sure, he's right. Yeah. And then Twitter finally started censoring President 45. Guess when? Uh, it was a few months ago, wasn't it? This year. Right, yeah. How much hate has he spread in the last five years? How many lies? How, much, how many comments or Twitter posts has he put that have incented violence? And Facebook, as we know, literally influenced the election. So I think we're at a tipping point now for social media right? on, on how it should be used. You know, there's, there's like literally uh, companies now that are fact checking your posts. So they'll take down your posts. And if you put up something that's like incorrect, you'll be facing some sort of penalty for it. Facebook has a Facebook police now, right? It's kind so of interesting. Is this for media and companies or is this for every person any given person any person too okay yeah so when someone says um trans people are being murdered every day and that's found to be a lie is that going to get censored or they, they may they may they may send you a message that your your post does not meet our okay. whatever agreements that you sign off on okay you might get a message like that okay yeah so when someone says uh all white people are racist, and if they say they're not racist, then they're extra racist. <laughs> is that going to get flagged? I have a feeling, honestly, I don't think the left is going to get flagged nearly as much as the right. Is right. So that's not fair. Potentially. There are left-wing organizations. Big tech is Democrat, right? So when Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Nancy Pelosi lie, mm -hmm. which they do, yep. I think the Clintons were liars, but they were on the good side. Right? They were so on the good side. <laughs> when, when Democrats lie, are they going to get called on it? Or is this just an, another mechanism to call out Republicans? I don't know, man. But I think the main thing is my problem, say what you want, but don't spread hate. Yeah. Don't spread hate. Because right. we all know on social media, there's no winning. You'll never win. For every yeah. good cause, there's a retaliatory cause. It's just a constant flush. Yes. You know? Like, it's just, yeah. There's always another side. I hate it so much. Like I have to, I, I have my Facebook thing just basically for our comedy shows and for my music shows with Ziv Whiskey, stuff like that. Yep. And so I got to check it once in a while because I get messages, but I, yep. it's just so gross. It's like the, it's like the men's room at Finch station or something. It can going drive you nuts. It can drive you nuts. It's just this wall of bile from both yeah. sides, from left and yeah. right. I'm more disappointed with the left usually because that's my team yeah. and it hurts me more. It's like your own, if somebody else's kid does something stupid, you don't care, but when your, your kid does something stupid, it hurts you. It hurts. So I, don't, 
I don't expect anything from the Republican Party, so I don't care. Like yeah. they're they're morons and selfish assholes anyway. Mm -hmm. It's when the left lie that upset me the most. Yeah, you know. So just the poison on social media it's just sickening, and I hate it. All right, so we're both deleting all our accounts. <laughs> we are. We're going back to like you know faxing people. Yeah. For gigs. There you go, man. So. You got a song for us this week? Well, yeah. You know, I was, I've had it. A lot of what we've been talking about today is relatively thematic. Mm -hmm. so I, thought, I, thought, I just thought maybe um, I want to do a Canadian classic, if that's cool with you. That's awesome. Go for it. All right. So. I remember the words. Have you been around? Have you done your share of coming down? A little thing so people do. Have you been aware? You got brothers and sisters who care about what's gonna happen to you in a year from now. Maybe I'll be there to shake your hand. I gotta do that again. I forgot the words. Maybe I'll be there to shake your hand. Maybe I'll be there to share the land that they'll be giving away when we all live together. Sorry, I forgot the words for a second. Pay your dues. Did you read the news this morning when your paper landed in the yard? Do you know the names? Can you play the games without losing track? We're coming down a bit too hard. Oh, maybe I'll be there to shake your hand. Maybe I'll be there to share the land that they'll be giving away. We all live together, talking about together now. Maybe I'll be there to shake your hand. Maybe I'll be there to share the land that they'll be giving away. When we all live together. I'm glad I used the 12 string. Sounds good. It's nice and jangly. I'll be there to share the land that they'll be giving away when we all live together. Nice. Nice, man. Thank you. I don't know. That go okay? I couldn't tell. Yeah. Sometimes in the middle of it, I can't tell how it's going. No, it's going good. It's Thank going you. good. It's funny because that song doesn't actually. It, it, talks about both sides of issues oddly enough so yeah what's the title 
Share the land. Share the land. Beauty. You can always, you can always tell a good song when, uh, when it applies at any given time. Like you were talking about the Glass Menagerie. Yep. Songs are the same. And of course, yep. that is the Guess Who. So. Okay. I'll put, I'll put up a YouTube link to the song as well. Cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, quick plug. Uh, we do have an Instagram, so it's at Overly Dramatic Podcast. You can give us a follow. You can check out some clips from the show. Uh, we usually put up some highlights where the, where the laughter is. So if that's the only thing you want to hear, check us out on Instagram. Um, also, a quick plug. I'm doing a show on Saturday at a restaurant in Scarborough called Watts Restaurant, 8 p.m. It's at 1 Eglinton Square, 8 p.m. show. If you're around on Saturday, come on out to Watts Restaurant. Cool. Can I, can I, give, a, can I give a plug? Absolutely. Uh, the Richmond Hill Pro Bowl is is open for business and um they depend they depend on leagues to uh to keep them going but unfortunately a lot of bowling leagues have older older members so they are quarantining more the older folks are are not getting out as much so if uh, anybody in richmond hill is around and they wanted something fun to do on a on an evening go check out richmond hill pro bowl beauty yeah man that's awesome good Uh, young street just south of elgin mills yep richmond hill pro bowl yeah. I always see the signs up. And just never. Really... Well, we used to do our comedy at Corners, right which is yeah. that same plaza. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Maybe some young folk will pick up some bowling. That would be awesome. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Brent? Yeah, if you're going out for Halloween, um, don't try to quarantine kids on Halloween because they're wearing masks anyway. <laughs> just a word to the wise, don't. If you want to dress as Black Panther, please do. Um, but don't dress as Antifa. You might, <laughs> you might send the wrong message. I was wondering where you're going with this because we're in September. Halloween's not for like another month and a half, Brent. <laughs> That's a good. Why am I talking? Oh, because of advice on Halloween. <laughs> hey, man, it's always Halloween in my house. Man, I just thought, okay, so my final thoughts. Hope all the parents out there can finally breathe. Your kids are heading back to school next week. Yes. So good luck. And uh, yeah, the stress is gone. All right. If you've been with your kids for the last six months, like I have, you are in a very happy, emotional place right now. So good for you guys. So is your holiday, uh, or I mean, is your returning to work, is that kind of like a relief to you? Yeah, I would say so. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I hope it's a good year for all Thank the, you. Same to you, man. All the teachers and students. Same. We're all in this together. It's a tough time. Absolutely. Tongue. That's it. Yeah. We bring us to the end of our show. So we just want to say uh, thanks for watching, everybody. Check out our YouTube channel and subscribe, like, comment, share with friends if you really enjoy our videos. This has been overly dramatic. This has been overly dramatic. This has been overly dramatic. Na 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 na. Yeah. See you next week.